One of those beautiful little choruses taken directly from the Word of God that uh, is a good chorus for all of us, but uh, it's one of those you can go home this week and uh, teach your children. That little chorus is a reminder for their life as well. We turn this evening to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be reading the whole of the chapter, although our message is really verses 20 and 21, the last two of the chapter. Let's hear then God's breathed out word to us. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge. And knowledge was self-control, and self-control was steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted That he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in the body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort, so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, 
as, a, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Father, what a privilege it is to sit in this building in your sanctuary here tonight and to open your scriptures up and read them together. Um, let us pray that whether we do it here or do it individually at home or at a Bible study, this privilege will not be taken away from us in this country, that we can still open your word openly. Dear Lord, we ask that you will be, now be with Pastor Bob as he begins his series on the Holy Scriptures, that you will bless him in, in giving his messages, and you will bless us as we receive them. All this we ask in Christ's name, amen. And amen. So there is always a danger when you preach through a document such as the Westminster Confession of Faith or the larger, shorter catechisms or as many of us were used to uh, in days past of the Heidelberg Catechism using each one of those Lord's Days on consecutive Sundays. There's always a danger that you preach the document and not the Word of God. That you preach that which is produced by man even though we think it is good and we think it is accurate and we reflect that it is true, the danger is that we preach the document and not the word. So throughout this series, I'm not going to reference this much. I'm not going to call attention. And I, I, for this particular series, I'm, I'm not going to have us use a responsive reading each Sunday from the Westminster Confession because, because I, I want to resist that temptation to preach the document rather than the word. The document, if you don't have it accessible easily enough on uh, your computers at home or on your phones, which you can get, okay, uh, I'll always have some copies in the back for you to take home to read. Um, I am one of those few people, probably left in American society, that find it very difficult to read from a screen, okay? I, I don't care if it's a computer screen, you could make that thing huge, okay? Um, or, or my phone, I, I just find it very difficult to, to center my thoughts. I, I need paper, okay? Um, and, and I like paper, and I like to be able to read it and to take my pen right away and to write upon it. Um, and, uh, oh, I know if somebody's going to say, Pastor Bob, you can do that with note-taking on your phone. No, I can't, okay? Because it would be gone by the time I pressed a button, okay? So it would disappear for me. But, so, but I want to use it as the guide. So the first article of the Westminster Confession is about Scripture. So that's what our message is on tonight, from the Word of God. Okay? What does God's Word tell us about Scripture? 
and we will do that, Lord willing, as we go through this series using the topic that is raised by the Westminster Confession as that which we then dig into in Scripture and throughout the week, you can dig into this, okay? Uh, read it over, study it. There, the particular one I have here has all the Scripture citations to it as well. But for tonight, we want to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, particularly then verse 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What does Peter mean by that? Well, the first thing I think we could say is this. Peter is highlighting for us the uniqueness of Scripture. The uniqueness of this book. It's unique because man is not the source. Every other book that exists in this world is the product of man. This is the only book that is the product of God. And we need to think about that, right? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The uniqueness of this document. We, we could have, you know, just, just think of the largest library that there is in the world. One book in that library stands apart from all others. Now that doesn't mean those other books don't contain statements of truth. They don't contain ideas of truth. They don't contain historical true facts or facts, uh, true facts about the world okay, as it exists. That, that's not the point. The point is where did it arise? Where did it come from? The Bible is unique. In the fact that the source is God himself. This is the direct word of God. It is the direct word then of the one who knows all. The one who knows all is sharing with us. That which we need for life and godliness. He is sharing with us that which we need to know for eternal life. And how to live our lives in a godly, God-glorifying way. God. I, I, I could write a book and give my opinion... I, I could write a book and take some scripture verses and put them together and I could offer you my opinion and weighed against the rest of scripture. You could say, I judge, Bob, that you're not right here with your conclusions. 
Or you could judge, you know, Mom, I, I think in this book you have written, it's not happening, folks. This book you have written that, that you've taken these scripture passage, worked well with them, but you see, that scripture is not from me. I didn't come up with the scriptures. That comes from God. Comes directly from God. We'll talk more about that in the, the rest of the sermon. But the all-knowing God. So there's, there's nothing short here. It's not like there's something incomplete or that God doesn't quite get it, or God doesn't quite understand, or, or God doesn't quite know for sure how salvation works. Everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness is here. Because it comes from the one who knows all. And it comes from the one who is holy. The one who is absent from any sin. The one who is absent from any imperfections. That too has a consequence, doesn't it, for what is here. It comes from the one who is spirit, not material. It comes from the one as well, as, as we referenced this morning, who is love. This is a book in which God reveals his love to us. How do we know that God is agape? Here it is. Here it is. This teaches us. Over the course of thousands of years. That God is love. He has demonstrated. But it's simply also an act of his love to give it to us. The all-knowing one shares with us, gives to us. Out of his love, he communicates. He reveals himself to us. He tells us about himself. He tells us what he has done for us. Out of love. Out of perfect love. So one of the things that Peter is revealing to us in this 21st verse is the fact that the scriptures are unique. Not by man. Not produced by the will of man. Not produced by the thoughts of man. Not produced by the, the heart of man. Not produced by the mind of man. Comes from God. It means this book not only ought to be very respected by us, Not only revered by us, but it ought to be read by us and studied by us and contemplated by us and lived by us as well. Secondly, Peter is revealing to us how we got this book. Okay, if this 
comes from God, how did we get it here? How, how is it that that which originates with God, who is spirit, this majestic, holy God, how is it that he gave us this? How, how did that happen? Well, Peter tells us, right? Men spoke from God, source, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Greek word here is pharaoh. Pharaoh. It's actually a nautical term. Now, this makes this kind of interesting, and we'll come delve into this as well. Now, who's writing this? Who, who's the human author that God is using? Just somebody tell me. Peter. What was Peter's occupation? What do fishermen do their work on? Boats, right? On the water. This is a nautical term. To be carried along is the same idea as a boat in full sail with the wind in the sails pushing it along. Right? So that, that's the word that's being used. You have a boat, you have a sail, and then you have the breath, the wind coming and blowing and filling the sails so that the sail moves along. Okay, let's test your memory. What's the Greek word? Pharaoh, right? Ever hear of a fairy? Not F-A-I-R-Y, F-E-R-R-Y. What does it do? It carries goods back and forth over the water. Or it carries people back and forth. This morning, I, you know... I'm watching them load that truck onto that boat that's going to that island and going. I, I was waiting for the whole thing to just go under the water. Okay, got to tell you, I was almost a little disappointed it didn't. Okay, well, but they, they got it on. I, I, you know, looked like a bunch of Dutchmen trying to save some money to me, but okay. They ferry those goods back and forth. They are dependent upon that. Okay? Life would be probably impossible on that island without that ferry going back and forth. Right? I, I remember reading uh, a story that at one time uh, there was a ferry that at the end of 48th Avenue there in Lamont went across to the other side of the river I can't tell you how many times I've thought in my life, boy, it would be nice if that thing still worked. Because that would sure lessen that trip, right? For those of you who go to school at Unity and live way up here, you're probably thinking the same thing. Man, that would have been nice to cut off that distance, right? Carried along. But in this sense, carried along by the wind. They're carried along by the Holy Spirit, which, when we delve into Scripture, right, 
We, we go to Pentecost. What do they hear? It's the coming of the Holy Spirit. But what do they hear? A mighty wind. Right? We, we have that continual. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus? Right? In John chapter 3. But that the Holy Spirit works like the wind. The breath to breathe. It's the same idea you have back there in Genesis 2 where God breathes the breath, the spirit of life into this dust and man becomes a living being. Men spoke being carried along. They themselves are to be pictured as a boat with the sail up and the Holy Spirit coming and blowing into the sail. It's in that way that we received this. It's not mechanical. It's not, as I have often said, you know, Peter picks up his pen or his quill one day, and, and there's some paper there, and he says, okay, Lord, lead me, guide me. And his hand just starts forming letters, and he's going, wow, this is quite something. Can I have a cup of coffee? I'll drink my coffee, and my hand will just keep moving, okay? That's not being carried along. That's being controlled along. Nor did it just drop out of the sky. Hey, look, some gold plates underneath an oak tree. This must be the word of God. Here it is. Got it all full and complete. Wow, look at that. Some angel by the name of Mordecai just drops it down to me. Here it is. It's not like Peter sitting there one day and he goes, ouch, what's that? Oh, a scroll, 2 Peter. Okay, here it is. Right? It's not this gold-plated. It's not mechanical. It's breathed. Right? That, that's what Paul writes to Timothy in regards to the Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. And I don't think Paul and Peter had some conversation. Hey, we're going to talk about Scripture. How do you think it came about? I don't know. Let's use the idea of breath and carry it along. This is how the Spirit is telling us we got this. They were carried along. It is Spirit-breathed. So that what Peter writes is the very breath of the Spirit. So that what Paul writes is the breath of the Spirit. What Moses writes is the breath of the Spirit. What David pens in the psalm is the breath of the Spirit. He's being carried along. He's being blown along in his. Without the Spirit, there's no writing. Without the Spirit, there is nothing. It is only the Spirit blowing that causes the movement. The process. But because it is spirit-breathed, there are implications for that. Because this is not a document of men, because it is a document produced and given to us as the Word of God, through Christ, by the means of the breath of the Holy Spirit, breathed out, 
It means it's guarded. It means there are certain protections put upon this word. Right? When I write, there aren't many protections. Except, hopefully, my own cautions to stop and think, is this really what I should write? Is this really what I should say? Am I saying it right? Am I saying it correctly? Okay? Writing letters and that sort of things and documents for church, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest tasks for me as the pastor to do. Okay? To sit down and, and to write in that regard. Because you, you need to be so careful in your choice of words. You, you need to be careful that in writing you're, you're actually saying what needs to be said in the right way that it's being said. Well, this document, this word, this scripture comes to us by the Holy Spirit and it is guarded by him. And we use two words to describe that guarding. The first word we use is that that word is then inerrant. It means that there are no mistakes in all of its statements. There can't be. There can't be any errors. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit breathing it out. If there are errors, it's saying the Holy Spirit makes errors. It would be to say God makes mistakes. God errs. Well, if God errs, if God makes mistakes, then everything we have said about God so far in dealing with those attributes is thrown out. God can't be all-knowing if he makes mistakes. God cannot be holy, absent of all sin, if he makes mistakes. So the fact that Peter tells us this was carried along by the Holy Spirit means that this is guarded. Guarded in the sense there are no errors in the statements that are made. Every other book, every other book, I don't care how great the saint is not guarded in that way. But because this is breathed out, has no errors. Much of modern day textual criticism, that's kind of a science that, that is used to examine the text of, of the, the scriptures, and you can tell by the term textual criticism that it's more to, to knock it down and to tear it apart. Well, this couldn't be because of that. This can't be true because of that. Well, this statement in the Bible can't be true of that. So you have these, these small-minded people who know only a fraction of truth telling an all-knowing God, you made a mistake, God. You're in error. Because I, in my finite little mind, think I have uncovered an error. Because in my reasoning, in my way of looking at it, I see that you're not conveying the truth. The Lord looks at them and laughs. 
who, who do you think you are? This is my word. My name is attached to this word. It's guarded. The second way in which the Spirit guards it is that it is infallible. So there's both inerrancy, the idea that there are no mistakes in all of its statement, and infallible, meaning it is incapable of falsehood or error. It's not only that there aren't any, it's impossible. It's impossible for the scriptures to contain falsehood or error. Why? Because it comes from the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit is? He is the one who is the truth. And he is the one who will guide you in all truth. So it, it, it's not only it doesn't, it it's not even a remote possibility that it has errors in it. Because men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I should add one other thing. That carried along is in a verb tense. Going back to this morning, things are very precise here. In a verb tense that doesn't say the Holy Spirit blew Got Peter started, and then the rest is Peter. Right? That, that the momentum just carried him on. Right? Think about this in terms of a sailboat, right? You, you get a gust of wind, and the boat starts moving. The wind goes quiet, but the boat may keep moving. But the tense of the word carried means continued until completion. Ongoing until it was done. So Peter, we would say, let's look at it this way, is carried along from the word Simon, verse 1, first word, all the way to the word amen, last word, chapter 3. He is Carried along, fully, completely, all the way. Spirit doesn't just get them started, but the Spirit continues. But the third thing for tonight from this passage is not only the uniqueness of the Word, not only the inspiration of the Scripture, but the message. Peter's point in this chapter is that the message of Scripture is this. It is the truth. It is the truth because it is the Word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit who carried men along and put it in words for us. But this is the truth. Our Wednesday night fellowship uh, two nights ago, or two meetings ago, began with the question, what is truth? Right? God is truth. That's God. You cannot separate God from his word. 
This is truth. All the tomatoes that are flung at this book, all the heresy that comes against it, all the false teaching that arises, all the enemies of this word, all attempts to destroy it and to get rid of it. You cannot change the truth. Well, I don't believe it. That doesn't mean it isn't true. Well, I don't accept it. That doesn't mean it isn't true. It's the truth. Secondly, the message is the centrality of Jesus Christ. This is about revealing Christ. From Genesis 1-1 in the beginning to the final and ultimate amen. This is about our Heavenly Father in love revealing to you and I His love for us is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. That's the centrality of the message. And as we read this word, we always have to be reading this word in the light of Christ. If we do not read this word, if we separate Christ as, well, Christ is only part of the word, or Christ is only a section, or Christ is only in this part, One of the blessings of the Bible studies we've had for 32 years is the fact that even I as pastor, we continually, no matter where we are, no matter where we are, no matter what passage we're at, we see Christ. He's always there. It's always God out of His love sharing with us our Savior. Sharing with us our hope. Sharing with us the truth. And lastly, the word contains a call. Believe. Believe. To believe is to repent of our sin, to embrace Christ. To believe is to live. In the footsteps of our Savior. Hence, the Westminster writers did us a great service. They're saying, whatever else we talk about, whatever else is discussed, whatever other topics come our way, it begins with the truth, the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Live it. And God's people say, Amen.